It's time for us to do something. G'day and welcome to Church and State. I'm Dave Pellow and uh, we're rebranding. I mean, we've always called uh, my show Pellow Talk. Um, in fact, it was originally called Church and State, but for many years now we've called it Pellow Talk uh, just to help people be less offended before I've even said anything. Um, but enough of that. We are moving back to the brand Church and State and you can continue to call it Pellow Talk if you like. But um, the whole point is we're going to talk about things that may affect either faith or politics uh, and preferably most of the time uh, where those two things actually intersect and uh, have to do with each other because after all they are very very similar. Uh, faith and Christianity is all about a moral code which teaches us how to uh, treat other people and that's exactly what legislation does. It tells us what we should and shouldn't do uh, to help uh, good people and to punish wrongdoers, uh, to set a, a framework of boundaries for good civil behaviour and the flourishing of our nation. Well, uh, that is not an opinion that is shared by some people that could be called hate theists. Uh, some people are just really are radical in their secularism and believe uh, that Christianity in particular, but faith in general, is something that should be like your underwear, never shown to anybody else, uh, nobody else's business and no place in public. Uh, in fact, they'd probably prefer to see your underwear than your faith. And that's how the mainstream media responds to Scott Morrison, a Pentecostal, and now Dominic Perrottet, a Catholic man. Um, and it has to be said that if they weren't also conservative, their faith probably wouldn't be a bother at all. If they were left-wing in their faith and in the expression of their politics, um, then they would probably be unscrutinized for their faith and family. But because they are conservative Christians, uh, they are very much hated. Well, Joel Aegis joins me now, and he wrote an excellent article published on The Good Source this week about how the mainstream media is crucifying Dominic Perrottet. Welcome to Church and State, Joel. Good to have you on board. Thank you for having me, Dave. <laughs> had to make sure you were unmuted then, and it was good. I already had done that, so thank you. Um, so, look, congratulations. Great article. Uh, it had to be written, and it may have mm. been written by other people as well, but uh, you, you said it very well. Uh, tell me, let's just start with the obvious description before we get into the article and, okay. and start dissecting it a little bit. Um, what do you think about the reasons for writing this article? What was it that uh, made you um, scratch that itch? So I suppose what happened, I guess, was that when I saw that article, when I saw the original article that this article is sort of based upon actually sort of um, combating in a sense, um, mm. When I saw that article and read through it, I was sort of just astounded at how wrong it was in terms of um, representing Christianity and the Catholic faith as well, given that, it, you know, it was all written to, mm. in a sense, attack um, Dominic Perrottet's faith. Um, and so I thought, you know what, someone has to write something about this because it can't go unsaid that this is just absolutely uh, butchering of the, um, of the Christian faith. You're right. Um, because to yeah. me, reading that lady's words, um, it was it was like she was wanting the audience to assume as fact that the sun rises in the north. Yeah, yeah. Because and honestly, I think people would actually. <laughs> I think people as well, like if they're not around it, if you know, if they don't understand Christianity, they just take that as as like the truth. They take it as reality because yeah. they, um, you know, there's so much ignorance in that regard. And um, people were led to believe others who make themselves out to be um, in a sort of position of authority on the matters. I mean, yeah. I think this um, this woman who wrote it, she's got like reverend at the start of her name or something um, because, you know, she studied at um, some new seminary or something. Um, yeah. And I think people would see that that title and they'd say, okay, this person is probably trustworthy on this matter. Right. But it's a false assumption in a sense because she has no, no idea what she's talking about. Yeah, the, the lady calls herself an ordained 
interfaith minister and yeah. there's just blue, which would seem <laughs> exactly. harmless uh, to the casual observer, the oh, uninformed sure. observer, um, like uh, calling abortion healthcare. Uh, ministers aren't interfaith. If you don't stand mm. for something, you will fall for anything. Uh, and in this case, um, you know, oh, for sure. she's a heathen. She's manifestly uninformed about Christianity <laughs> and has no personal relationship with uh, Jesus, who said he is the only way to God, the only truth and the only source to eternal life. Uh, that actually, exactly. she admits to being offensive. She is literally mm. oh, for sure. by the message of Jesus. So a minister of Jesus and Christianity, she most certainly is not. And you're right. Uh, it, it's not a casual choice of words. The place she studied is actually called New Seminary, um, mm. not a seminary. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's, it's, you know, having these people educate the public about Christianity and what Christians believe is uh, like uh, asking me, uh, no, <laughs> it's like asking me to espouse veganism. Um, oh, it's, yeah. <laughs> it, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to give you uh, <laughs> what you think. <laughs> Better still, it's like asking a vegan to espouse uh, a normal person's diet. Yeah, um, good. They yeah. represent a fringe minority that is radical and extreme. Uh, and certainly not mainstream. And so it is with this mm. lady. She is not a accurate um, or honest or objective commentator oh, on what, what the mainstream diet is in, in Christianity. Well, let's um, have a look at, at the article. I'll just bring For that sure. up now. Uh, Lying Harlot Media crucifies Christian Premier Perite. Um so I'll just make that a little bit bigger. So you began, with the end of Gladys Berejiklian's reign as Premier of New South Wales comes a new era, one that will centre on a man named Dominic Perrottet. Perrottet, who has to this point been the Treasurer of the state, has emerged as the strongest contender for the Premiership, a position that has long been held by the moderate faction. A member of the party's Conservative faction, he is the hope of many a New South Welshman for significant change from the seemingly endless restrictions and lockdowns enacted on this state by the Berejiklian government. But while this may be a win for conservatives, those on the left and those in mainstream media have decided to begin a campaign of hatred and character assassination of on the new premier. Why? Because they are terrified of the prospect of a Catholic conservative premier. Since it became apparent that Perrottet would be likely to assume the role, there has been a seemingly undying cesspool of anger and hatred for those, from those with opposing views. Accompanying the hateful rhetoric spewed by those online, particularly on social media platforms, has been a tirade of hit pieces from mainstream media outlets, including the ABC, the Sydney Morning Herald and the West Australian. For example, the West Australian published a piece entitled Why New South Wales's would-be Premier has WA Insights, which they posted on Twitter with a tweet that read, if hard right New South Wales treasurer Dominic Perrottet, hard right, God bless him, the Catholic with six children ends up becoming the state's 46th premier. WA could be firmly in his sights, end quote. So exactly what do they think makes someone hard right? Is it Catholicism or is it uh, having a large family? Um, <laughs> uh, or, or is it a traditional Christian biblical view? And I think it's the, well, probably all three. Um, but certainly, certainly the latter. Um, so your article continues. Likewise, the ABC ran a piece entitled Meet Dom Perrottet, the Conservative Catholic and father of six who will be New South Wales's premier in which they picked the party's faith. Joel, was it ever okay to comment on Julia Gillard's worldview or her family planning decisions? Oh, apparently not, according to these same people, honestly. I mean... And the same goes for, like, um, for, that's the other thing. I, I don't think I mentioned it in the article, but um, if this was a Labor uh, politician, and a lot, there are a few Labor politicians who say that they're Catholic or Christian, and, um, and you know, it's, they never get attacked for their faith because, yeah. quite frankly, they're on the right side of politics to those people that keep, attack, yeah. keep putting out these hit pieces and attacks and all that. So, yeah. I mean, there's a... 
very big double standard in what people um in what people do and the actions they take towards different people depending on their politics as well it's it's full of double standards well if they didn't have double standards they oh, wouldn't have sure. any <laughs> exactly uh, <laughs> Of all of these, it was the Sydney Morning Herald's piece. New South Wales must do better than Dominic Perrottet as Premier. That was by far the worst of the bunch. The article, written by Stephanie Dorick, an interfaith minister and social activist, pulled apart Christianity in a way that demonstrates a severe lack of understanding of the faith. If a motorcycle was deconstructed in my lounge room, uh, and its pieces arrayed on a tarpaulin or, or you know, um, nice piece of, of cloth to protect the floor, and I was asked to reconstruct it in a way that worked, I would be as successful as this lady was deconstructing Christianity, and you wouldn't be going anywhere. <laughs> and so it occurred to me, uh, you, Joel, that I should yes. return the favour and deconstruct this piece to explain just why it is a complete and utter misrepresentation of what Christianity truly is. Now, it has to be said, you're a Catholic um, yep. flavoured Christian. I like calling them flavours. Uh, you're a Catholic flavoured Christian like uh, Dominic is, and I'm more of the Protestant persuasion. Uh, Fair enough, yeah. Which, uh, which, you know, nobody's perfect. Dorit <laughs> begins by stating... Quote, reading the mind of God is a tricky business, end quote. Let it be known here, you say, that no one here is trying to read the mind of God. Christians seek only to do what would be morally right, as Jesus Christ, God the Son, taught us. Often what is morally right is despised by those who lack the capacity to respect certain aspects of humanity. For example, one of the biggest concerns of those who vehemently oppose Perite, also noted in Dowrick's article, is that because he is a Catholic who opposes abortion, which should be the vision of all Catholics, given it's the fundamental teaching of the Catholic Church and Jesus, he may try to instill some restriction or ban on abortion in New South Wales. Now, before you go on, I actually want to probably take a slightly different response to what she said here, uh, yep. what you said here. Um, and that is that the Bible very clearly says that we who have been made alive in Christ, people who have been forgiven our sins and accepted Jesus um, and have his spirit living in us. And the Bible actually says this in very plain language. We have the mind of Christ. Okay. Uh, yeah. That doesn't mean we're perfect. No, that no, for sure. always right. But what it means is that her assertion that reading the mind of God is a tricky business. She's trying to be understated and oh, she's trying sure. to assume and infer that Christians have no business to speak on the behalf of God, which is ludicrous and completely unbiblical. It's exactly what Christians are meant to do, is to speak on behalf of God. When oh, God says, sure. you shall not murder, we go, that's not my opinion. That's not self exactly. That's God's standard of, of, of legislation and policy for the flourishing of humanity. Um, and You're exactly so, right, honestly, yeah. And, and so, you know, us speaking on God's behalf, us knowing what's in his mind is because that's what he wanted. Uh, mm. If God was all-powerful and that's what we believe, why wouldn't he be able to clearly communicate to people who are humble enough to ask him what he thinks? Exactly. Um, so you said um, he may still try to instill some sort of restriction or ban on abortion in New South Wales with fetal personhood laws on the parliamentary agenda. This may indeed come to fruition in some way, but at the core of this is Perite's fundamental belief that abortion is wrong because it takes an innocent human life, demonstrating his inherent respect for human life that his opponents seem to be lacking. Joel, as a Catholic, if the Pope came out and said, uh, you know what, um, it's no longer an excommunicable offence for a Christian to endorse or participate in providing an abortion. Um, and we think that it is um, okay. Would you change your mind on abortion legislation and abortion laws? Oh, no, for sure not. I mean, you know, I mean, I follow the teachings of Christ and the Bible. I mean, you know, as much as, you know, I'm a Catholic and I respect the position of the Pope and all that. Um, 
sometimes you know he speaks his personal views and sometimes he speaks his um you know for the catholic church and so if he was to say something like that i'd say look we still have to hold true to the fundamental teachings right. of christ not necessarily to um what the pope's saying here it's just yeah okay it's still morally wrong i mean you know yeah yeah exactly so my take on that is that uh is that it's so ignorant of people like this author to oh, assume um, that Perite only holds the beliefs he has because he's a Catholic and a Christian um, and only holds these beliefs because God said. Uh, I don't know how she then gives account for all the pagans for life, atheists for life, uh, and, and all the other non-Christian, even aggressively hostile to Christian people, to, to Christianity people, who nevertheless hold a pro-life position consistent with evangelical Protestant and Catholic Christians. Uh, it, it's this identity mm. politics sin of leftists, which says you can't think outside the box you're in. They do it to black people. Uh, they do it to Christians. They do it to white people. It, it, it's just ridiculous that uh, you can't look at science and morality and ethics objectively without a Christian worldview and come to the same conclusions as the Christian worldview comes to. Uh, it's so intellectually lazy from, from people like her. Oh, agreed. Agreed. You continue uh, pulling apart the article by saying, Darek continues on to label Perite a, quote, highly conservative Catholic whose views represent the most extreme end of a rigidly male-dominated institutional church, end quote also known as orthodoxy. Exactly. That's it. Church history. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if God was progressive, there would be a third and fourth testament. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you're trying to create a golden calf to worship that bears no resemblance to God whatsoever. And this, not you, Joel, I'm speaking no, to you. No, 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 no. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> no, I can understand. I get what you're saying. Yeah, all good. But your response was, what's important to note is that his views are not extreme in the slightest. They are only viewed that way by people who vehemently oppose them. Exactly right. They are the extremists. And to an extremist, the mainstream is extreme. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Following this, Dowrick draws attention to Scott Morrison's faith as a Pentecostal Christian before stating the, that the views espoused by the Prime Minister and the New South Wales Premier only represent 1% of the population, which is incredible, incredible. I mean, what she's basically saying is that God intervened in the election and Scott Morrison miraculously won the election, not democratically or popularly. Um, that 50% of the population <laughs> do not share his views and uh, and find them antithetical to all Australian values. 99% of people disagree with Scott Morrison and yet somehow elected him and his party and his his members um, oh, to the Prime Minister. So if that she, were the case, I'll tell you, if that were the case, Scott Morrison wouldn't be the Prime Minister and the Liberal Party wouldn't be in power right now. So Exactly right. I, I, mean, I mean, she's either denying democracy happened um or she's and if she's saying that democracy happened then she's saying god is on scott morrison's side and he fixed the election for scott it's just okay makes no knows. sense whatsoever but i mean whatever you want to believe <laughs> while we don't have the 2021 census data, the 2016 data told us that uh, slightly more than 50% of Australians classified themselves as Christian. It would stand to reason that the number is closer to that than 1%. The next three points she makes are the most egregious, you wrote. The first, quote, fundamentalist thinking is also highly divisive. Well, you know what else is highly divisive? Truth. Indeed. One plus one equals two. If you come up with a million other answers, they're all wrong, and that is division between right and wrong. A very fundamentalist mathematician would say one plus one equals two. Continuing her quote, the world consists of us and the rest of you. High levels of conformity are demanded. 
to doubt, self-question is unwelcome or forbidden, end quote. To which you replied, this is untrue. Christians, even so much as fundamentalist Christians, want everyone to be able to have a relationship with God. There is no us and them. Expound this point further for us, Joel. Yeah, so what I, I guess what I was trying to um, say there is that, um, you know, they this whole idea, I think, you know, fundamentalist is a term that they use often to try and make us out to be something evil or, you know, um, like we're trying to impose our views on everyone and force them on everyone. And you see that quite often where, you know, um, they'll say, oh, stop trying to force your views on me when in like the abortion debate or the euthanasia debate even that's obviously going to be coming up in New South Wales soon. Um, but, you know, we don't, we're not forcing our views on anyone. We're just saying, look, this is what we believe. If you want to believe it, you're more, more, you're most welcome to come over and, you know, um, and believe with us. You're most welcome to join us. You know, we're not forcing you to, but um, if you want to do it, if you want to come and um, join us, it's perfectly fine. You know, we're, there's no us and them in this situation. We're just saying, um, you know, this is what we this is what we believe, and um, I suppose you know we're not trying to push anything or use our faith to make a you know to um, to make rules or laws or anything. I mean, even Dominic Perrottet has said, you know, he respects the the um, the boundaries between church and state. He's not going to you know. I mean, yes, his um, his views might have an effect. His Catholic faith might have some sort of effect on his views and his personal views. And, you know, if they were had to have a um, a conscience vote on something or other, he might vote with his, he would probably vote with his conscience, but he's yeah. not going to let that, um, let his faith go and, you know, force things on others um, that don't believe it. He's not going to say, well, you I have actually, to do this or anything. I actually want to push back on on the fear of saying, of course we do. Because of course we do. Of course we bring our faith to the vote. Oh, and for sure. Politics. Yeah. Of course we do, because we would be morally corrupt if we didn't advocate mm, indeed. the best policy that we believe in, the best justice that we believe in, the, the best outcomes for our neighbours. It would be hateful and despicable for us to do anything less than bring the full philosophy of our convictions uh, to the public square. Oh, the sure. reason these people think that's a problem is because they think it's some conspiracy theory to accumulate power for ourselves, and that is tinfoil crackpot conspiracy oh, theory. It's absurd. It's, it's absurd. 100%. Honestly, power corrupts people too, you know, and uh, we, we're not trying to just take as much power as we can because, quite frankly, if we were, we'd be, we might become corrupt and then misuse that power. Yes. Yeah. It's crazy. And look, there probably are some people who do that, but you'll also find mm. them in environmentalism and trade unions. Oh, for sure. And, and all the other, uh, you know, worldviews and agendas which do seek to accumulate power for themselves shamelessly because mm. they have a mm. vision of how the world should work and they believe that they're doing the right thing by implementing it but then they resent it when somebody with a different worldview comes and says, actually, uh, I think I agree with God. This isn't mm. my idea, mm. but I think his plan for how society should operate is better than your plan, and so we're going to advocate that. Now, feel free to debate us on the facts. Feel yeah, free to exactly. Feel free to believe in God and therefore you reject the entire proposition. That's okay. We're in a democracy. Your vote and your voice is just as valuable as mine, but I'm actually not going to come to you, and this is what I advocate on the church and state platform, mm, yeah. is don't just say Leviticus or Corinthians. You actually need to bring facts, evidence, data, and logic to an argument to persuade people who don't care what Leviticus and Corinthians say. And so exactly. let's talk about biology. When does human life begin? And if all human life is equal then the biological question of when human life begins is relevant to this debate and you can safely dismiss God because I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about biology and I'm happy to be scrutinised on my faith position with facts, evidence, data and logic. Uh, and, and that's 
a valid participation in the political sphere. So Dominic Perrottet should be fully Catholic and, and people should understand he doesn't, he's not president. No, exactly. If you don't like his ideas, you get to vote him out. It's really, exactly. really nothing to fear here. And there's just, other people in Parliament as well that are voting on things. You know, it's not just him making the rules and decrees. I mean, it's not exactly one right. vote says or it's, you know. Exactly. Let's there's keep plenty of people in the Parliament that disagree with him too. So, you know, that's the other. If, and, and that means he's actually going to be. There's people there to represent those people. Exactly. He is going to exactly. be heavily exactly. like the new treasurer, um, Matt Green. I mean, Keen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you continue writing that the second of the three noxious claims she makes is that individual salvation is everything and comes at the cost of, quote, neglecting the poor. Has she met a Catholic? Oh, <laughs> like, unbelievable, how honestly. Does Catholic Christianity neglects the poor. Has she heard of Mother Teresa? Has she ever read a book? Clearly not. <laughs> I can't even finish this quote without laughing at her. Uh, I'll finish it. Continuing the quote. <laughs> neglecting the poor or those seeking comes at the cost of neglecting the poor, those seeking refuge, homes, food security, or recognition as full and deserving human beings. End quote. Oh, my goodness. This lady, I, uh, yeah, the sun rises in the north. Um, <laughs> trust me. Um, just, well, like... Uh, I mean, Catholics in particular have got such a great presence in the world of charity, mm. of benevolent societies, of just organising and uh, accumulating and organising the resources for intervention in poverty, in homelessness, in um, starvation, in um, human dignity and bioethics. <laughs> I mean, Catholics in particular have a fantastic track record, far better than interfaith charlatans. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Strong language? Well, only if it's not accurate. Uh, so, I mean, I can read your response. It's on the screen if you want to read it, Joel, but why don't you en enlarge on, on your response here? So I guess what I'll say here is that, you know, um, as I, you know, as I've said, I mean, as you said as well, that, you know, Catholics do have a really good um, track record of doing charity and everything. I mean, we um, just, you know, in the I mean, throughout my time in uh, my church, we have um, a whole range of different, uh, a multitude of different, like, appeals and everything throughout the year. Um, we do, um, oh, what's it called again? I forget what the name of it is now. But uh, Caritas, um, we get involved in that and Project Compassion. Um, yep. where we, towards, um, in the sort of Lenten period, we have, you know, um, we have these little boxes that we bring home and we, um, you know, we each contribute some, um, some, you know, financial aid to assist people in um, countries that are, you know, under, underdeveloped and um, that are really struggling with um, fresh water or education or food or whatever, uh, whatever it may be. Um, and then we have um, we have like a Christmas appeal every year where we um, each take a little thing from a um, uh, each take a little leaflet from like a little tree thing and um, we each go out and buy something um, a food or um, you know necessary item to donate to that is wrapped up in a hamper to, and those hampers are put together and given to those who are. Um, who are poor and you know who might need it more than we do um, in Australia, mm. um, and then of course you know we have appeals for um, people who are homeless, people who are um, unwell, all those sorts of things. And so when you know when you see um, and there's been plenty of instances where people have where like you know people, Christians and Catholics have taken in refugees, have helped those sorts of people, um, and. To say that we have, um, you know, that we don't, that we neglect them, that we even, you know, so much as um, just look away from them, that's just, it's just wrong. It's yeah. honestly, yeah. it was just shocking to read that because it's just such a misrepresentation. Yeah, it's just the blatant falsehood. It's yeah. blatant falsehood. And if you believe that, I have a bridge to sell you because, quite frankly, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
her you know, claim, we're not just looking for ourselves. Salvation, yeah, her claim yeah. of individual salvation is everything fundamentally flies in the face of one of the most central tenets that even the most uneducated heathen would understand. And that is that Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. If you haven't heard or associated that phrase with Jesus before and you think there is no regard for others, you are a dead set imbecile uh, with no due respect to the author who made such a ridiculously and easily refutable assertion. you said finally the most ludicrous point, as if as if she hasn't done as if it her. couldn't get worse. Honestly, <laughs> it couldn't get worse. <laughs> the most ludicrous point made in her piece is the following, and I, I I don't know if I can get through this quote without interrupting. Quote: The kind of Catholicism with which Perite is associated is different. There's no adherence to a prosperity gospel. Care for the suffering would be active. So she just contradicted herself. Yeah, exactly. It's righteousness and self-righteousness around central questions of identity, sexuality, gender politics, minority rights, and an unwavering conviction that this is the, quote, one true faith, end quote, in the midst of her quote, still quoting her. She continues, it is also far from mainstream 21st century Christianity. This lady is just one whole new level of, oh, my goodness. And far from the progressive, vibrant Catholicism that flourishes in many parishes and among numerous lay people active in social and environmental justice, end quote. (sighs) Okay. Uh, You said, let's break this down. It is true that there is no adherence to the prosperity gospel in the Catholic Church. Prosperity gospel is not an accurate teaching of the word of God. Here's where I have a problem with you, and and I am way out by myself here because I actually have a problem with the phrase um, prosperity gospel in the way most people define it. Most people, when they say prosperity gospel, mean a false teaching. Well, that would be prosperity heresy or prosperity false teaching. Um, but the Bible uses the word prosper and wealth and flourishing so many times. There is good doctrine on prosperity. Um, Paul prayed uh, to the recipients of one of his letters, uh, for the recipients of one of his letters, that they would prosper even as their souls prosper. Um, now, that obviously is a universal, broad uh, prayer for them. Um, not exclusive of and not limited to money. Uh, mm. You know, their health would prosper, that their marriages would prosper, uh, and, of course, that they wouldn't be in extreme poverty, um, just like no father would want his children to lack for anything that was either good or pleasant, as we see in the Garden of Eden. God created everything in the, in the garden, not just what they needed, but also those things that brought pleasure to the people that he created. Now, when that becomes an idol and replaces God and is imbalanced, of course that is false teaching. There's no, God's not a magic genie. And yes, there is prosperity false teaching, Um, but we have to clearly identify that not everything in the Bible taught about prosperity is wrong. You know, God doesn't think it's good for you to, to be on the bare threads of the seat of your pants and really, really suffering before you can get to know him. Uh, One of the things I wanted for my kids growing up was the parenting challenge of providing all of their needs and still forming good character. I thought that would be hard and that would be the kind of thing that I would like to do. Obviously, they're going to learn lessons if they have to do everything themselves. Um, And yet there's so many trust fund babies around the world who we have never heard of because they're not Paris Hilton. But they spend their time not digging ditches because they have to earn a crust, which is a noble profession, but they spend their time in Africa helping and doing jobs which are unprofitable and there is no financial reward for um, because they are prospering the way that Christians should lack for nothing and and be an absolute blessing to the world. It's not all about you. It's all about everybody else. Now, of course, 
Um, there's plenty of persecution and suffering and and we need to be very mindful of that. And so there has to be a nuanced approach. And so, uh, you know, the, the broad statement, and, and you make a very universal, ubiquitous statement that thousands of people have made before you and after you, so no attack on you. But the broad statement no, right. is not an accurate teaching of the word of God. Uh, well, in actual fact, sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. Um, I think when so, I was getting at it, I think I was sort of more referring to the what you were saying about, you know, the um, the false, false teaching part. Yeah, because yeah, that's, yeah, you know, yeah. that's what I'm used to sort of associating that with. Now, you know? let me so, give like, you a story. Uh, yeah. One of the one of the fathers, uh, pioneers, I guess you'd, you'd call them, uh, who who established um, prosperity teaching um, mm -hmm. was teaching a, a seminary class one year of about 2000 students. Uh, and in this large um, combined assembly, he was telling stories about how God had blessed him through his faith. And he had clearly heard God say to him to give his very nice car to a single mother, maybe a widow um, with a couple of kids. And his thought was, you know, this car's too nice for her. How's she going to enjoy this big, beautiful, fast, racy car? And, you know, wouldn't something uh, smaller and more modest be suitable for, for her? And and he felt God say, hey, I said, give your car. And then he's like, yeah, but God, what am I going to do for a car then? And he says, just trust me. Uh, and so the short story is that he gave his car away to this lady and uh, a short time later, like days or a week, somebody else, a very rich businessman, gave him a better car. And he said many years later that when I said this to the assembly, you know that out of 2,000 students, there would be some people who heard what they wanted to hear and not what I said. I mm. did not say that if anybody gives their car away, God will give them a better one. That yeah. would be <laughs> expecting, you know, magic lamp Jesus uh, instead of a genie. You know, rub it, exactly. make it and you'll grant it for which you. Do, which isn't, you know, which isn't accurate. That's, that's not you know, what I said. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The first thing was um, I heard from God to do this. I wasn't trying mm. to manipulate God. I was trying to obey God. And he said, and sure enough, there were two or three students out of that big class who for the rest of that year walked to school because they gave their car away <laughs> trying to manipulate God. Now, that's the difference between good prosperity teaching, um, you know, God can't be manipulated, and, and prosperity false teaching. Um, and this, this hmm. is, this, and look, I am so out on uh, my own, you know, most of Christendom, uh, just really throws the baby out with the bathwater, I think, on this. Yeah. Instead of trying to understand, you know, what were people trying to say and giving them the benefit of the doubt. And sure enough, you know, there are people who hear good teaching and then repeat it badly. Um, For sure. And, and yeah. that shouldn't reflect on the teacher. That should reflect on on the repeater, the student. Um, so, yeah, little, little um, pet peeve there. Um, as, <laughs> That's as all a, right. I mean, yeah. you know. Well, push push back at all if you if you have a problem. Oh, with oh, well, I mean, you know, all I'll say is that you know, I mean, for me, I guess, um, as a, I mean, as a Catholic, is that you know, I mean, I see, I guess, it, you know, it is good to be, um, you know, uh, I guess it comes back to the whole love your neighbor thing as well. You know, I mean, in a sense, even in that story, I mean, you know, he um, he did something that was um, good for somebody who was, you know, obviously struggling, and um, that goodness sort of returned to him um in you know in the car um but um uh, i guess you know that goes for everyone in terms of just their general daily lives in that you know if you do good for others you know that good yeah. can come back to you in a sense it's you know it's exactly. people might return that favor you might do a favor for somebody else they might return that favor later on down the track it's yeah you know it doesn't happen immediately sometimes but um patience is another part of that but you know yeah. Um, and it's good for us to, it enriches our spirit and our soul as well by doing that. So hundred percent. Yeah. That's... Let's get back to your, your article. <laughs> so, yeah. All good. Um, you continued to say Catholics may indeed believe that theirs is the one true faith. However, we do not discredit Christians of other denominations. We are all one in Christ. We all believe Jesus died for us on the cross and we all have similar values. I agree hundred percent with you here. Uh, I think it's very important to, as um, 
fundamentalist Christians for us to focus on what we have in common because that's 99%. Oh, definitely, definitely. And that is that the Bible is the authoritative word of God in, inspired by him and reliable for instruction and, and teaching, uh, that there is no other way to eternal life and salvation from the situation we find ourselves in as imperfect people condemned already there is no hope other than in Jesus. This is things that all Orthodox Christians uh, have in, in common. And when God says it, uh, we believe it and we seek to understand it um, and explain it a whole lot more. But we take him at his word. And mm. it's not self-righteous. It's humble. We actually yeah, want to... exactly. We actually want to change our mind. And that's what repentance means, to change your mind, to stop thinking the way you used to and start thinking the way God does, the way God wants you to, uh, that is Christian. Uh, it's not exactly. self-righteousness. It's oh, the, the whole idea of that. The whole idea of self-righteousness is just an attack on, you know, on character, really. It's it's just, well, unless uh, it's you know, in this, I mean, in this, you know, exactly. But, I mean, in, I guess in this, is, in this yeah. circumstance, you know, the fact that she's trying to say that, you know, Caritas is being self-righteous or whatever, yeah. it's just... It's yeah. just an attack on his character. That's And you know. I, I will turn it back on her and say because she's not agreeing with God, because she's throwing away 2,000 years of Christian orthodoxy and, and inventing some new idol graven in her own image, uh, she is the self-righteous one, um, raising herself above Christ. Um, mm. And that is the pure definition of, of self-righteousness. Um, we are all one in Christ, you say. We all believe Jesus died for us on the cross, cross, and we all have similar values. We may differ in some beliefs as to our faith, but that does not mean we are denying that we are all Christian. Amen. As to this idea of mainstream 21st century Christianity and, quote, progressive vibrant Catholicism, end quote, these seem to be an ideal dreamed up by someone who has zero understanding of the faith and church. Very well said. Uh, and as I said formally, if God was progressive, there'd be a third testament. That's true. <laughs> um, you continue by writing, you're not sure what churches Derek has been to, but the leftist ideal of progressivism, which is truly just regression dressed up as something that sounds nice, but has no place in the Catholic Church or, or any Bible believing. Yeah, exactly. It is true that there are some Catholic priests who have demonstrated that there are more progressive and some of these may have gone on to spout heresy. It's also true that the Pope holds some progressive views including those on climate change. However, these are his personal views and are no way representative of the Catholic Church, God, or the Bible. Darek's article is a major misrepresentation of Christianity and the Catholic faith. Her views on Christianity are likely clouded by misunderstanding and personal bias and quite possibly by what she has been taught at the New Seminary, not a Christian teaching institution. Uh, and that's where she studied to become an interfaith minister. But she's not the only one. Many others have and will continue to misrepresent the faith, even more so now that Dominic Perrottet is the Premier of New South Wales. It is likely this will occur as a result of, as a result of and you are spot on here, Joel, this is a result of bias, their bias, their hatred and their misunderstanding or concern about certain policies, in particular that surrounding abortion, euthanasia, LGBTIQAX plus issues and religious freedom. Man, like if you want to know about gender and sexuality and the sanctity of life, who do you go to? A progressive who changes their mind with whims and tides? Exactly. Or do you go to the guy who created it and designed it and oh. instituted it for us? Like, again, are you self-righteous or are you going to agree with God? Exactly. With God, the goalposts don't shift. With them, they shift every week, honestly. That's right. Crazy. The Premier's faith should not be up for debate. Absolutely right. No more than Julia Gillard's was. Mm. No more than Kevin Rudd's watery compromise was. His faith is personal to him. If people wish to debate the issues, they should debate them on their merits. 100%. Look, guys, if you want to debate uh, what God says about abortion, Please feel free to go to Sunday school, exactly. attend a few years of uh, church and sermons, maybe learn some Catholic catechisms or, or study the, the, uh, the various creeds 
um, that are out there, or I don't know, maybe even study the 1948 Universal Declaration of Human Rights if you want to. I mean, not that that's Christian in any way, uh, but you know what? Don't pretend you're willing to have a Christian debate when you're not going to uh, actually bring any understanding of Christianity. It's, it's like exactly. trying to debate rocket science um, oh. based on emotion. <laughs> like you carry no credibility. Like just say you don't like it. You don't want exactly. to. Exactly. And, and don't pretend you're a, an expert on Catholicism or Christianity or God oh. or Scripture. A lot of these people are disingenuous as well. You know, they come and they say, oh, yeah, I'll debate you on the issue. And then they just go and just straight into personal attacks. It's That's just, right. you know, or misrepresenting it or something or saying, right. okay, I'm going to use this Bible verse, but they just pull it out. They just cherry pick it and take it out of context. It's just yep. wrong. That's you know. And, you know, part of her criticism um, of, of Catholicism was that it's male dominated. Okay, so what ideas are wrong? There's exactly, involved and there have been for a exactly. long time. Exactly, it's all well and good to focus on the gender stuff, but I mean, you know, like that's not what is the basis of the faith. Like honestly, yeah, it's just... yeah look, even a stop clock can be right twice a day. So why can't a whole bunch of men for a very long time? <laughs> exactly, the actual merits of arguments that you agree with and don't oh. disagree with, or is it just a bigoted, biased, prejudiced thing because you don't like men? Exactly. I mean, we could turn it on back on them and say, "Is that are you trying to be sexist here?" You know, I mean, they would they would say it to us. I mean, you know, Uh, you highly doubt that the media and others who are avidly criticising him on his faith would do so if he was Muslim, of course. So Derek finishes her article by writing that New South Wales needs to do better. Uh, Joel, do you think New South Wales can do better at the moment? Who else? uh, I mean, what are the merits that make you think? Perite is going to do okay, and and who better um, is on offer? Look, I can say this right now that there really isn't anyone better on offer at this point. I mean, as much as you know, if there was somebody better, sure, I'd say you know, I'd say okay, maybe this person could do a better job. But you know, Perite has been in the job for what a week or so, and mm. you know, he's he's been pretty good in what he said so far. You know, I've seen a lot of his interviews, um, and you know, he's adhered to sort of his values and his beliefs and. I think his um, his Catholic values will make him, you know, will sort of um, help him in that regard. And the fact that he has a, a huge, a big family as well, you know, he'll understand the impact of certain policy on children and all that, which is something that Gladys never did because, you know, she doesn't have kids. And, you know, I'm not trying to um, have a go at her or anything there, you know, but I'm just saying she probably didn't have as much of an understanding of, the um, impact of even the restrictions and the lockdowns on children in particular and hey, the mental health damage that was doing to them. You, Leftists can't disagree with you because they believe no. lived experience as an authority. Exactly. So, I mean, and, you know, that's the other thing they keep coming back to is they keep saying, you know, they keep pinpointing the fact that he has six kids. It's just like, so what? It's actually probably a good thing that he has six kids yeah. because he'll be able to actually cater policy to ensure that children in particular and school students, um, you know, that they're looked after and that they're recognised in that regard. Yeah. And um, and I suppose, you know, of course, he did say on, um, you know, he's said a number of times that freedom is not given from the government, um, is not given by the government, freedom is you know and in, is inherent to human dignity yeah um it's just something right. i think he said on alan jones the other night um he said that and i completely agree with him you know yep. it's it's obviously that is what freedom where freedom comes from it's you know it's given by god it's not given by the government um yep. and you know that's something that's reflected in the american constitution as well um but i think you know i mean obviously not everyone is um you know has he, he i mean it would be I would be a bit happier if he sort of brought forward um, certain dates and said, okay, if, you know, stick to that and let everyone be free right now. I mean, you know, with the lockdowns and restrictions and stuff, I mean, you know, I make no secret of it. I am not vaccinated. Oh, my gosh, that's probably going to get me cancelled. But um, (laughs) as it did to Sam Frost, poor thing, um, you know, that was terrible as well. Um, But... um, you know, so it would be good to see him 
you know, just open up to everyone uh, in a sense and not have this sort of um, segregated state at the moment. Um, And I think the argument that's been made against that, I guess, is that he'll cop a lot of criticism for it and all that. Um, But I guess the way I see it is that, you know, he's copying criticism either way at the moment, you know, nothing he does can be is going to be right in the eyes of the left in particular. Um, And I think as well, he might be constrained as well by inter-party politics as well in the regard of, you know, uh, obviously the, um, obviously like Stuart Ayres and Matt Keane, they're from the moderate factions. So, I mean, if, you know, I, Matt Keane, moderate, I, you know, probably fit better with the Greens, but um, I think, you know, he might be restricted in that regard, but I do think that he's moderate. Yeah, I, Exactly. But I do think that his values will shine through and um, that that he can use that to his advantage in actually, um, you know, creating a much better state than we were in with mm. um, with Gladys as well. So, yeah, I think it's going to be important to give him time. Oh, for sure. For sure. I agree. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of the, I've seen already. Uh, even comments underneath your article on the good source and and my own yeah. page where I shared it, a lot of people going, "Oh, he's useless because he's already you know segregated and he hasn't done mm. the right thing." And the reality is, we've got to wait and see uh, what the trend is in his yes. premiership. Individual yeah. decisions are too little to judge him on because he doesn't have a you know the kind of uh, question, the hypothetical question we sometimes ask guests is. If you were king for a day, prime minister for a day, premier for a day, and what laws would you change and what would you do? And it's a really wonderful and and indulgent thought exercise, but it's not reality because Mm. unless you keep the majority of the government, uh, the government members um, happy with you, they will vote for a different leader and you will only be premier for a day. Uh, And so... While he wants to do what he wants all the time, he can't do what he wants to do all the Indeed. time. And, and so the, the trick is to look for the trends, listen to the rhetoric uh, over time, and then we find out what kind of leader he is and what direction he's dragging the, the party in. Um, and we've seen with Scott Morrison over time that despite his convictions and beliefs and, and personal preferences, he is a compromiser. He does what's expedient and pragmatic and is frequently not willing to stand up to the left wing of the party. Exactly. Uh, And and I think it's fair to say he is not conservative. Um, At best, he is centre-right, but he's very happy to give lots of of, um, influence and control and grant wishes to the extreme left of the Liberal Party. Uh, And his rhetoric has been anything but liberal. Um, And so it's hard to see him trying to lead the party in a conservative direction. Oh, Uh, for sure. It's too early to make that conclusion about Dominic Perrottet just It's funny you mention that, actually, because I was actually talking to um, Ellie about this last night, you know, and we were having a conversation about it. And, um, you know, it does seem like Scott Morrison, you know, he's sort of, I, I, I mean, even I said it from the time when he was, you know, when he came out of the party room, after Turnbull had been rolled. And, you know, at that time I was thinking, oh, great, Turnbull's gone. You know, that's perfect. That This could change a lot of things. And, um, and, you know, um, obviously when Morrison came out, I thought uh, this could, this, I, I have this feeling that he's just going to be another Turnbull in a sense, like, you know, um, like, I mean, particularly because Turnbull had sort of delayed the vote to get Morrison the vote. So I thought something's probably off here. But, you know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I'll see where he goes with it. And over time, he has just proven to me that, you know, I guess he's proven me correct in a sense in that he's just trying to please everyone. He never wants to sort of um, do anything wrong by anyone. He wants to, get, you know, he's um, he's sort of, you know, it, and it makes him sort of weak and ineffectual in that sense, like he's a bit of a pushover in that sense. You know, he'll just do whatever yeah. anyone tells him to. And that's, again, reflected in the Glasgow thing that's happened in the last few days where, you know, he was sort of questioning whether he might go or not. And then, you know, Prince Charles comes out and says you should go and suddenly he's sort of thinking, oh, yeah, I should probably go. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just it's it's just sad, really. But, um, 
um, but, you know, even back to Perite as well, I think, you know, that is something that I was even saying the other night to somebody that, you know, um, I'll, you know, it's probably good to give him some time and just sort of see where he goes with certain things. And obviously he hasn't got, a, you know, he hasn't got sort of majority numbers in a sense in probably the way he'd like to right now in the parliament, mm -hmm. given that, you know, there's three by-elections that he's got to win coming up and, um and he's sort of got to rely on the crossbench, which is a little bit hostile in the sense that there's people on there like Alex Greenwich, who's very, you know, pro-abortion, pro-euthanasia, that sort of stuff. So he's, um, so, you know, he's got to sort of, I guess, manage the, the voting in Parliament as well. But um, I think, you know, given time, I think he's shown some, so far he's shown a lot of promise. So, I mean, I'm pretty happy that he was the one that was elected. Um, rather than somebody like Matt Keane, who's, mm. who would just, I mean, you know, it is a bit of a, a tragic Keane compromise that Keane was. I, um, I know the left rule the party, but yes, yeah. bringing the right wing with him. Oh, no, um, for sure. And, I mean, it's, it's a, you know, it's a tragic compromise that Keane has to be the treasurer. I mean, that is sort of not something that I would have liked. But, I mean, at the same time, I think that, and that's the other thing as well is that, um, there's a lot of Catholic and Christian voters in certain electorates and stuff. And even mm. in the upcoming federal election, that's something Labor really have seemed to have forgotten because, you know, they've been more than happy to um, to let these attacks slide and everything. I think the only person who's really spoken out against them somewhat was um, Chris Minns, which I honestly credit to him for actually, you know, defending um, Perite in that regard. But yep. Labor, I mean, they've had a lot of swings against them in the last election in a lot of um, Christian um, electorates. Even Chris Bowen's electorate is, um, there's a lot of Christians in that electorate. And yep. if he's not careful, he could lose that seat. So, yep. um, you know, it's they should be very cautious and tread very carefully about attacking Christian and Catholic faith because it will come back to bite them if they're not careful. Yeah, awesome. Joel, yeah. thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Hang there. I'll just wrap no up worries. the show. We can have a little chat uh, after we wrap up. All good. That was Joel Aegis, and you can read his uh, article on The Good Source, goodsource.news. Uh, it's currently at the top of the screen. Um, the Lying Harlot Media crucifies Christian uh, pre Premier. Uh, and they've got that little uh, graphic there of uh, yet another Christian being crucified. ISIS killed a few thousand that way, and the mainstream media is uh, rhetorically so inclined um, here in Australia. Um, well, that's it for this episode. Let me encourage you, uh, if you're a Christian, uh, the right thing to do, and uh, hopefully we've learned a lesson with Scott Morrison, you can never relax. You can never lay back uh, and just assume that because someone has the same identity as you, in this case, Christian, um, that they're going to vote the same way you do. In fact, right from the beginning, I said what Scott Morrison needs from those who support him is pressure. They don't, he doesn't need them to back off and not criticize him and just pray for him. Absolutely pray. But what you have to do as well is pressure him and the members of his government to do the right thing and promise them that if they don't do the right thing, you will fire them at the next election, no matter who the alternative is. They have to know that they cannot take your vote for granted. That kind of pressure supports them to do the right thing, it gives them weight in the party room to say, we will be punished if we don't do the right thing. That will help them because the number one thing they have to worry about is their careers. Uh, their careers are their number one concern and we can support them not just in prayer, and that's absolutely essential. We must not neglect that, but it must not only be that. It must be political pressure, activism, lobbying, Facebook and social media comments. Be critical, be encouraging when either is deserved. Uh, don't be attacking their faith. Don't say you're a terrible Christian. Talk about policy and talk about the fact that you will change your vote uh, if they don't do the right thing and you will make sure that they... Um, have a different career after the next election if they don't represent your values. Uh, and that's pretty much the most effective way to use the system to do good for the most people. We have to create a society 
which is conducive to the most human flourishing. Uh, and I believe that looks very conservative, uh, very big freedom, very small government. Uh, and we have to advocate for justice and the end of oppression wherever it happens. Um, so that's how we can support Dominic Perrottet in New South Wales, Scott Morrison in Canberra, and uh, whatever Christian um, may be lucky enough, blessed enough to get into government. And it's also how you support those people who have good values and who cares what they're doing Sunday. Um, in fact, they might not have good values but care about their career and so will represent you. It's the same formula for everybody. You have to communicate, punish the bad, reward the good, uh, and that's the way we be a powerful, influential, successful democracy, not ruled by a majority of tyrants. Well, that's it for this episode of Church and State. I'm Dave Pello. I've really enjoyed your company and uh, thank you very much to the supporters, uh, both personally for me and for the good source enabling us to keep this coming. If you'd like to subscribe to the newsletter updates, which are trying to be once a week, uh, or if you'd like to become a supporter for $5, 10 $20 per month, uh, that's a great way to help fight fake news and make sure the truth is made public uh, and we advocate for you know, God's kingdom, the things that God agrees with. Let's just be truly humble about this and uh, do Australia the way that God says is best for the most people, um, which is, of course, everybody. Um, so I really appreciate your support. Head to the website, uh, goodsource.news or davepello.com or churchandstate.com.au, three different websites there that you can get a hold of to um, become a supporter or subscribe to newsletters. That's it for this episode, and we will see you later.